0: This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming blog. Today, we're just going to talk about video games, and that's really all right with me. I've got what, two... Uh, what? No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm excited. I'm excited. I just enjoy these podcasts a lot. I know, I know it's not exactly as substantive as other things. By the way, hi, yeah. everybody. I'm Josh Collar,
2: and I interrupt
1: you? a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, and I'm interrupting, too. This is Ted Loring, and I was hoping that we would talk about the, the use of the genitive in the coin in Greek today, but <laughs> uh, okay.
0: Do you know what I know about Greek? Nothing. Uh, I know, I'm, I'm I know to about... my neck in it. Oh man,
1: I only know like 28 Greek words and it's just because of my keyword study Bible. So it's like, oh, what's this word meaning the Greek? And I'm like, imagining that means that I'm actually valid to to talk about what the Greek means in a sermon or something.
0: I know the word koine. Yeah. (laughs) So that's pretty cool.
2: Hey, what does koine mean? I have no idea. Ah, It means
1: uh, common.
0: Ah, okay. That makes sense. See, my graduate degree, it's really working for me right about now. (laughs) Well, if
1: you went to a presbyterian college, you would probably be a lot more versed in the Greek. Yeah, probably.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm just I'm up to my neck in the Greek with uh taking this book on uh class on John. You have to do a lot of translation, but I love it. I'm I'm uh it's kind of fun. But it's not something everybody has to do, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, especially not me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the work has actually been done, you know, someone already has translated stuff pretty darn good. Yeah. All right, boy. That was real. That really put a damper on the whole morning. Let's Ugh. see what we can do here. Let's jumpstart. Yeah, thing.
0: stuff about video games, maybe. So, oh, yeah. so, does that mean that we can
1: only talk about video games that have some level of Greek in them, or a Greek translation at least? I'm sure Assassin's Creed has Greek translations. They have translations for everything. Is it? I don't they? want to talk about Assassin's Creed, but you know, no. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> oh.
1: I
2: can't think of an example, except I think in Wind Waker, uh, when the uh, Deku tree is talking. I think that's Greek. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or it's some made-up language. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, when, when it says, you know, and stuff like that <laughs> in those games.
0: I wonder, if Hyl- ah! I wonder if Hylian is based on an actual language. I
2: don't know, but if you beat Wind Waker and you play it again in your pajamas, you, you can actually see the translation of... The different, like when the dragon is talking, it shows Hyrelian the first time, but it translates it into uh, your native language the second time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I had no idea that he was even a thing. It's one of those little things that makes people play a game a second time. Well, so what are you playing, Ted? Why, it's so funny that you mentioned that. I am playing Wind Waker. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not not,
1: not the the GameCube version, which is in uh, a shoddy, blurry 640 by 480 pixel resolution, I'm assuming.
2: Really? Uh, It is something like that. I don't know what it is, but the GameCube version is near and dear to my heart. And it goes back to uh, time with my son when we first got the GameCube. It came with this Zelda package of um, Zelda 1, Zelda 2. Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask all on one little GameCube disc. But it also had about 20 minutes of gameplay from the, the soon-coming game, Wind Waker. And I remember playing that demo and just being completely stoked about it. As yes. soon as it was available, bought it for the GameCube, played through it more than once with my son. You know how games are again. They're not just yeah playing them yourself it's about who you're playing with and stuff like that
1: oh yeah especially especially with something like that because it it is a really slow game in terms of like there's a lot of slow moments
0: in it like Um,
1: sailing yeah the sailing the sailing can take a good a good bit of time at times
0: but the sailing is wonderful i love it
1: (laughs) but but it is it is it it just opens up room for conversation when you're sitting with someone and playing it so
0: i remember getting
1: it you're right i remember
0: getting it when it came out i pre-ordered it from walmart uh-huh. Walmart was giving this pre-order deal like you could get uh, basically a GameCube port of Ocarina of Time plus it's remixed version, Master Quest.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, yeah, I remember that. That disc that has both of those, yeah. That was that, pretty awesome. That, there was a, that disc, I think it was the version of that disc that also had uh, um, Majora's Mask on it that was like I don't know something like fifty six dollars used. Like people were going nuts over yeah, it. Yeah, that was of, insane. Like it, it being, it's pro- it's probably worth even more than that now. Just I mean, and and it was a free disc. That's the hilarious part. I like, still have
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one is is a collectible for sure. And so is the one that I have that has the uh, the four games on it. But I think oh, that yeah, one with that the Master one. Quest is more as well.
0: Yeah, I have that one too. I ended up finding it somehow. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing the
2: thing so about the resolution that you were talking about yeah. is is my son who is in his second year of college now talking about this he does he's a little upset about this new version being in HD is that be, because well he's in animation and so he thinks in terms of art maybe more than I do but okay. he thinks that it actually being converted to HD is taking something away from what made that one so special because they used that graphic style intentionally because of, you know, the limitations of a game system at that time and that sort of thing. They used cell shading, which is a great uh, animation style. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, you can do a lot more art with a lot less rendering.
2: Right, exactly. And plus the whole thing about... Zelda, in general, this is from interviews and stuff that I've read uh, with Miyamoto, is he's not always concerned about realism in his game, so much as creating a reality in his game. So mm-hmm. something doesn't necessarily have to look fantastic, or look ultra-realistic, but it has to feel realistic. You have to really feel like you're in that world, or part of it. So he and I are going round and round on that, and I... I am of the opinion that this new version is just beautiful. I love being in it. And one of the things I love, perhaps more than anything else, is the fact that I, I can hit the minus button or whatever on the Wii U controller, and there it is. Like, I'm playing it on a handheld right in front of me. Oh, yeah. And it just... I don't know. I wish it was on a handheld, to tell you the truth, because I would probably take it to work and get nothing done. <laughs> but wow and it, it and I'm playing a Wii u oh my goodness! i'm playing my Wii u. It's not just sitting
1: there playing Netflix every once in a while yeah that's pretty awesome i mean uh for me i would I would probably be much more partial to the the h d version just because uh with the with the art style like that, it's all about the crisp edges like uh the the exact detail of all the characters, like not feeling like they're blurred out in the i mean especially if you're playing on an h d screen in an s d game but the, that's definitely true with that one. Like I, I, I uh, the Okami HD update was a li- was slightly similar in that sense of like,
0: whoa, I can actually see everything now. What um, system
2: did, did they do a Okami
0: update for?
1: Uh, PS3.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, oh. they released it for the Wii also, but it's not in progressive right. scan, so it yeah, it's it's not it's not HD
1: at all on that, and it's, that was a couple couple years uh, prior when that version came out. Yeah. But and
0: the control scheme is awful.
1: Yeah, I couldn't. I literally couldn't play the. <laughs> the Wii version at Y'all, all. I, like, I
2: bought
0: it out of Solidarity, but I, I do not play it.
2: I, I agree with you so much on that. And I wanted it. I mean, if you think it was the perfect opportunity for them to do something like that, yeah. right. It, it made perfect just, sense.
1: It's just that the, the painting was part of the combat system, which made uh, your required precision on drawing on the screen really important. And in, it's just too loose for you to be able to draw
0: yeah. across Game is... the room. Games by Hideki Kamiya are just really specific in the way that they're implemented. So when you port it over to another system or control scheme, it ends up not being quite as good.
2: Oh, I wanted to read this to you. This is what I sent my son when I told him I bought Wind Waker HD. I said, I hope you won't think less of me, but I just ordered (laughs) Wind Waker HD, to which his text response is, (laughs) R-A-A-A-A-A-A. And then it says, nah, it okay... (laughs) <laughs> and then his next message nah. says yeah this, he's my college student nah it okay Um, hope you can <laughs> see the game through the bloom and full retail price so I think he's <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about there's a lot of lens flare that they're throwing in on and stuff like that so I think that's what he means by the bloom
0: yeah I think that's where I would kind of get a little bit miffed also okay so full disclosure I have the original version and I played it recently on my way up to the Triforce Hunt, which I hate. But <laughs>
2: I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I played the whole game in progressive scan mode, and it still looks pretty darn good. I think it looks great. Yeah. Yes. I-, I think the HDR bloom and all that stuff, it adds a little bit to it, but I don't think it really is detrimental in any way.
2: The 16 by 9 you know, wider screen helps. I think, just to immerse me a little bit more in the game. But I, I've been enjoying it more on a handheld element rather than on my screen. Of course I have a friend that says that my thirty two inch T V is too small to actually play a game on, but yeah, I think it's, it's too fine. small. What? How big is your TV?
0: I had a bigger television in nineteen ninety eight, so <laughs> You're kidding me. Yeah. Sixty oh, inch big screen. And now I've got a projector. So,
2: <laughs> what about you, M. Joshua? How big is your TV? Uh,
1: well, in in our downstairs, we uh, we splurged and got like a a fifty a fifty inch. But I I was on a th- uh, my my regular HD TV for a long time was just thirty two. So, so I'm living in the Stone Age or something. Yes, wow. no, a no, 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 no. You have to understand that like we're in this subset of of like people who put a lot of energy and money into, into our televisions because we're playing uh, a lot of advanced games. I mean, like if you didn't like I've, I've been in a couple of homes recently where of, of close friends and and they didn't even have anything that was bigger than like a 20 inch uh, or not. Yeah. 20 inch uh, SD box. So this is, this is part probably more uh, indicative of our culture and our like interests than to say what's actual present age stone age that sort of thing
2: well of course i could sound spiritual and say you know the the bigger the idol the larger the television
0: (laughs) also projectors are high maintenance (laughs) you gotta whip out those bulbs and then you have to replace them you know what it's a whole family thing so it's not really my projector it's just, I happen to have one. <laughs> I
2: understand. And, of course, I'm just joking about the size of the TV. <laughs> They're just, you know, it's almost probably hard to buy one that's a 32-inch if I was to go shopping. Uh, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. But anyway, but it does make a difference in your opinion?
1: The HD? Uh, well, the size. yeah, it's
2: HD, but also a t- it's 32-inch too small. I mean, do I need to... Uh, uh, invest. I mean,
1: it, it depends upon where you have it in the room. I mean, like if you're sitting across the entire room and you're trying to play first person first person games, uh, like
0: twenty feet away, like
1: that's probably not going to be like the best the best immersive experience. Well,
0: it will like allow that. you to see flaws more accurately. So, oh well, that's
1: so important to you. <laughs>
0: that's not really that great. But yeah, uh, I think there's ha- a happy medium between thirty inches and one hundred and twenty inches.
2: <laughs> Somewhere in between there, huh? <laughs> Somewhere
0: in between there. <laughs> we did buy one
2: for work use that's a 46 inch and it just seems mammoth to me but they yeah it, it like, does
1: it does for a while and then you're like yep this is just normal and everything else seems small and you you start to wonder why every, everyone was okay why we were okay watching <laughs>
2: how you know, could i fun. do it yeah. now i do i do experience that going back to a standard definition you know crt uh, or not crt well yeah i think that's the word yeah. a, a, a tube tv yeah I'm like, how did I watch a football game ever <laughs> on this kind of TV? Yes, but definitely- I recently bought a uh, older television. Didn't buy one actually. I took one, but uh, you know they're practically free nowadays. That didn't sound right, did it? But <laughs> you know, I mentioned at work we had these new ones, so we were replacing the old ones, and it was just sitting there in a the cart. And I said, well, I'll take it home, give it a give it a home, because some of the retro games I play like my old Atari 2600 system really yeah. looks is made for that kind of screen.
0: Oh yeah. That makes perfect yeah. sense. It's yeah. Cause it would look awful on a HD TV. <laughs> I mean, it it doesn't look good it, at all. Yeah.
1: Right. There's entire like websites dedicated to how to make sure that you have the most authentic experience for SNES games and have like your scan lines in there and have like, you know, make sure that it looks perfectly right.
0: I just run um, emulators. There's no real point to whipping it out. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just a hassle.
1: Yeah. I could understand for
2: recording some stuff, but I, I'm just a, a guy that enjoys hooking it up, seeing that it still works, the warm glow. <laughs> but like, for example, we talked before several weeks back or even months back about the Sega Saturn, and I finally picked one up Ooh. recently at a Goodwill. And I remembered I went back to listen to a podcast where Josh was telling me if I could get my hands on a Japanese one, that would be better. But I forgot yeah. what you said made me know that it is yeah, one. It I'm looking at it right now.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really matter which one, as long as you get the weird little slot card. The it's thing like, that I don't have? Yeah, <laughs> a 4 megabit. It's called a 4 megabit memory card or something. Here's the sound of where it should go. <laughs> Sorry, but I did
2: buy one game for it because I wanted to be able to play it, so I got Daytona! Oh, Day-tora! awesome.
0: Daytona
2: I love That's... that song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, it's very very cheesy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Daytona. Yeah, so is that like... is that why Danica Patrick or whatever her name is is in uh Sonic All-Stars Team Racing cuz like they had a realist semi-realistic arcade game based on NASCAR and she's like a semi-realistic person based on NASCAR. Daytona USA is realistic?
2: Danica. Well,
1: I mean like <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say realistic in in, in like a in, in like an actual like mechanical sense but you know it's it's based on an actual physical place in a physical real realistic setting I don't think is that Track in the game really based on Daytona? I don't, I don't think so. I, this is like
0: from the mid 1990s.
1: No, no, I, yeah. I agree. I'm just, I'm just trying to, to get, get at the point. Like, I really don't understand why they put like a, a an actual real life person in that game in Sonic All Stars Racing. Oh,
0: that's because Sega is soulless <laughs> and will hire anyone or anything.
1: It's just such a weird style. thing. It's like, yay! Here's here's uh, from uh, Space Channel. Um, and then here's Ai-Ai from Super Monkey Ball and, and Sonic Son- and all the characters. Samba, Samba
0: and- the Amigo. You Samba,
1: yes. He's awesome.
0: <laughs> and but it's sudden- called
1: Money. Jeez, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm completely diverging.
0: Follow the money trail. The That's money all you have to do. And Sega will tell you. I guess. Yeah.
1: I guess. I don't know how... I mean, like, I-, I can't imagine that the game is, like, the most successful sales tool for them. I'm sure it sold remotely well, but...
2: <laughs> the the other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, while I'm still on we're still on me, right? Sure. Is that, isn't that what life's about really? Um I so I got my Saturn, <laughs> but I also picked up another sort of retro game system and I'm using this some, somewhat in a general sense, but I picked up an old Timex Sinclair 1000. Now, do either one of you have any idea what that is? No. When I was a, a young lad in the mid 80s, I would look at my dad's computer magazines and there would be ads for the Timex Sinclair personal computer, Sinclair 1000. Huh. And it, it's tiny. I mean, it's about the size of a, of a Vita, maybe a little larger, but it's got a little membrane keyboard on it and it has 2K on it. So two kilobytes of memory. But oh, well. I, I saw it, I got it in the box and everything. The box is a little rough, but it does actually have games for it that I can load on through a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in, in Europe, I think they call it the Z81. I don't know if you ever heard that. Or the Z81. It's the same. This
1: is, this is too obscure for my blood.
2: <laughs> oh, well, some of the games on it are just sort of early games, early programming. What was the I, name of this again? is called the Timex Sinclair 1000.
0: Now, let me just read a little bit what wow, it says on the box. This is obscure for me, yeah. even for me.
2: It says here on the box that revolutionary technology makes this computer possible. This is the first computer, my first personal computer featuring our new microchip design. This design utilizes four powerful microchips including a unique master chip that replaces as many as 18 chips on other personal computers. The Timex Sinclair with the optional 16K RAM, uh, RAM pack accessory, which is, by the way, is almost as big as the <laughs> computer itself. Oh, wow. When I find that, I'll plug that into the back, but it, it doubles its size practically. But uh, it it has all the power and performance capacity I'd like, and it does use a standard audio cassette recorder. It's easy to learn the basic computer language and easy to program. But here's the most exciting part. 2K memory is expandable to 16K. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> and it says here
2: a printer can be added. And also the most exciting thing for online play, communications device can be added to gain access to outside data banks. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, I, I'm excited about it. I turned it on, plugged it into that old TV that I have, and all it does is show a white screen with 2K on it. So, Not to be
1: confused with the present-day company game company, 2K. 2K, exactly. This Borderland could have been the precursor. <laughs> publisher of Borderland and the Bioshock so, series.
2: I'll probably, if I can get it to come up, I'll probably do a little blog write-up on it. But I just like sharing the fact that <laughs> we come across some little thing like that that nobody in the world wants, but I just <laughs> <laughs> Oh
0: Yeah, apparently it you was know, the cheapest personal computer to be out when it was released in 82... Yeah, it sounds right. Let yeah, and on. what happened was that uh Commodore I uh, had a price war with them and they said, well, if you trade in any personal computer towards a purchase of a Commodore sixty four, we'll give you fifty bucks. Cause uh it's- Commodore sixty four costs like, I don't know, one fifty. So people would buy the Sinclair and then trade it in <laughs> <laughs> to get a Commodore sixty four.
2: The Commodore sixty four is definitely the master of the uh Of the computer gaming era I think but so that's how it sort of went away into oblivion Um, the cool thing about that you can do with these is you don't have to own the cassettes you there are people that actually have mp3s on file you know on the internet so you can actually hook it up to the output of your computer and and it will play into your little uh, older system as though it was playing from a cassette. Oh, you know, that ah. so it sounds like you
0: But know, it what? actually plays like, a game.
2: Yeah, and then it'll play the game. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's really bizarre.
2: So essentially if I have this and I can get it up and running and then I find those ROMs or whatever they're called, I'll be able to play anything on it that they ever made.
1: Any anything that was as awesome as possible in 1982. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure
2: I'll find some Pac-Man clone. And, uh, but if I could find, uh, something that was halfway fun, it would just be good to go. Of course, I don't know how I played on that membrane keyboard.
0: Goodness <laughs> maybe gracious. Maybe demon attack. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right. Hey, thanks for uh, sending me that link to, uh, the person that reviewed it on YouTube. That was, full. <laughs> that was cool. That's about it for me. Other than that, I did beat Diablo since the last time we talked. Oh, how was it? Was it difficult? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be to beat the main boss. And of course, you get all this loot when it happens. But the way this game is kind of made is, hey, you want to play it again on a harder level, but starting with your existing character that you've just done all this stuff with. (laughs) So it's tempting to go back for a second loop and Hmm. play it some more. It's one of those that I probably will do, but I, I set it down so I could... Do other things. You know, there's so many games out there.
0: Yeah, you know what happens with those? I want to play them again, but then it's like, oh, I got to play another game now.
2: (laughs) It goes further and further back on the list.
0: You got to dedicate yourself. There are so many games that are out there. It's just
2: ridiculous. It's almost like you have to retire or become independently wealthy in order (laughs) to enjoy all of them.
0: (laughs) My Steam list is getting overly full, that's for sure.
2: I haven't bought anything on Steam for a while, but I'm interested in the, the Steam box and the Steam operating system that yeah. they're coming up with. Wow. The controller looks very interesting.
0: I, I'm really curious about that. I've only seen a picture of it, and I'm like, how in the world could that work? Uh, it Basically, there's a motion sensing technology that replicates the feeling of an analog stick and or buttons, depending on whether you're left or right-handed. And basically you can manipulate it depending on what game you're playing. So not every controller is compatible with it, but the ones that are work pretty interestingly. That is revolutionary. So let's say you're playing like Civilization, Mm -hmm. then the two little thumb things will replicate how a mouse and keyboard work. So it'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to move around and that sort of thing. Because most controllers can't really play mouse and keyboard games. Let's be honest about that one, right? Yeah, this, there's there's yeah.
2: A, a divide or a break between the
0: two. And then this will allow people to play in a way that makes sense while having a controller. Because obviously Valve is trying to dominate the console market now, so.
2: <laughs> well, I just can't help but think if I had a computer of some type that had that OS on it, you know, in that controller. And I guess your existing library is instantly accessible. Yeah, hopefully. To you. Yes, hopefully. So all of a sudden you've got hundreds of cheap games to play. Of course, as a collector, you know, it's not as as nice as having some physical media to hold and collect.
0: Yeah. I like that feeling, but
2: yeah, I know that ultimately that's probably going to be gone one day. And that makes me sad. My question is directed to M Joshua caller. Me? Yes. What? so many games that are available nowadays. And I hear you mention games and talk about games on your love subverts blog that I've never heard of. I just don't know how you actually either play them or see them or make time There's so many and so much.
1: Oh, uh, I'd say that it's probably just a a mixture of the bigger. The bigger thing is I I have taken a very large amount of time to build an effective RSS feed of just all the the news sources that that kind of like pump in things that I might be interested in. And uh, so that's how this is
2: journalism in action.
1: (laughs) I I wouldn't say it's journalism. I'd say it's more like uh, lazy man's journalism, like the the quote unquote. (laughs) uh game journalism where everyone like mooches off of one one another's news um uh <laughs> i don't I, I try not to like rep- repost stuff like i i or anything like that but um that's how i find out a lot about a lot of things and in terms of dabbling like i i just dabble in, in a lot like if i were to go over every game that i played this past week it would be overwhelming even to me <laughs> yes um, not because i i i'm like like laboriously playing games all the time, but I just try like lots and lots of different things, and I try to be as as versed in that as possible. Like this morning, um, instead of taking a shower before our podcast, because you guys aren't going to see me anyway, um, I I was playing a, a little bit of The Wolf Among Us, um, just trying to get through the the first episode of that, which I haven't had a chance to finish. It's only like uh, it's only like two hours long in terms of the first episode, uh, but I'm only maybe about halfway through because I don't usually have that much time to sit down and just just plow through it um and and that's kind of and that's the way it is with a lot of things like um i i just have windows of time here and there like half an hour here an hour there to try things and i'll I'll usually like look at my steam library or whatever i have available at the moment and um do
2: do you find yourself making too hasty of a judgment sometimes about a game
1: because well i I don't do a lot of reviews like i only like Mm -hmm. if it's if if i'm going to be writing a review like I don't know. Like I, I think that even for uh, Substance TV, where where Zach and I write every once in a while, um, th- everything that I've written on there that is a like deep mechanical analysis. Like 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 Zach and I were talking about before the show for Guacamelee and, and for like Last of Us. Those are games that I did play like through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I am a guy who likes to finish things. Like I, I don't like to just like play through. But I, I'm also not a um, like hardcore completionist where I want to get 100. percent On things because uh and and i I, and because of of zach's influence probably i like playing things on hard so i get a good a good (laughs) sense of like how how this combat system or whatever is is at its best like uh or at its most challenging like and not not because i think that's the best way to make it through a game and that's why i have such an incredibly long list of games that i haven't finished um but i I do think that it's it's useful in in developing a, a good um Sense of what how things work when they're really working, um, as opposed to maybe perhaps something like uh, Call of Duty, where you can't really play through the game very well if you're just starting it on the hardest difficulty. Or at least that's what this is the way that I thought before I um, started actually it deeply engaging with mechanics more recently. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. I appreciate um, it. I mean, I I also, just, also I, I do we're unsure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I also just enjoy. Um, getting lots of, of, uh, trying out lots of obscure, th- more obscure things on, uh, due to like indie, free indie games and stuff like that. But I don't write about them that often. So when you, when you say like the obscure stuff that you're, well, you're seeing, me you write ex- about, like, give me can an I example. give you an example? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well,
2: so, and I'm really curious about this uh, perhaps you could talk about game sale A little bit, but you write up a little thing about. It sounds like you have. Let me tell you if I understand it correctly, and you can say, Ted, you're wrong or you're right. It sounds like this is almost like a a a ministry or a spiritual focus of friends or acquaintances who Mm -hmm. gather at your home, Mm -hmm. and uh, you do talk about uh, some sort of devotional idea and then you it sounds like you're the quarterback you're like hey you fred you look like you're having a bad day today play this game you know <laughs> i'm putting this in and then and i'm like what in the world game is that is he playing and, and it sounds like sometimes things really connect and sometimes they don't sounds like sometimes people in the group there might be two people that sort of connect about other things while all this is going on and yeah. i just like the idea that sounds like sort of a modern bible study
1: yeah absolutely i mean that, that's kind of become my um my my real focus in terms of like just games and ministry and stuff like that cuz um the most important thing to me is uh you know Jesus says seek first the kingdom like like in terms of like valuable bible verses so i i want to actually like seek first the kingdom in everything that i do cuz uh that's really much more important than just me playing games that i like mm-hmm. um and you know surprise of surprises you can use games as a um uh, way for connecting with people big surprise not 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 to <laughs> us, but you know what I mean And it's um, great when
2: it's very natural. It sounds like this
1: is a very natural thing It's not like yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be trendy and use language that gamers like well, you, you have to understand like for me personally game cell came out of like two things It came out of um, I have a My, my wife and I uh, well my wife is the director and I, I've been a long time volunteer at a rec center in our town that we uh, that our, our church kind of started and really try to bring in a lot of other churches into and say, like, this isn't about our church. This is about um, you connecting with teenagers who are in our town and uh, bringing them into your community of faith. It's, it's bringing them into your church. Um, and it's, it's not about ownership or anything like that. It's just we want to we want to network with other people to bring the kingdom and and. Because of the age, the age bracket, a lot of these guys are most interested in video games. But when I'm when I'm bringing them in here, I'm not going to be playing Call of Duty. I don't want to be. I, I want to be expanding these guys outwards and not inwards to try to like show off how how great a, of a noob tuber they are, or you know, uh, you know how great they are in their in their Call of Duty skills or something like that. I want to I want to bring these guys out of that so that they're actually learning how to listen to one another, how to connect with one another, and how to try things that are completely different. And and so that was part of it, but also um, I just picked one of the guys who aged out because our rec center only goes to 18.
2: Okay. He grew out
1: of that. And so I was like, all right, well, how are we going to um, really uh, help this guy grow in Jesus? Like he doesn't really seem to super connect with God that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes to our church, but, you know, it's kind of like uh, we're the only people who really have seemed to take an interest in him. And so he does, he did that out of relationship. And I said, well, you know, I don't, all I know is that you love on a person until um, they they actually like want to connect with God more. You know, like you can't just b- keep beating them over the head with you know Jesus died for your sins, Jesus died for your sins. Um, <laughs> it's I mean that happens. I mean you you, you go over the gospel truths in, in in church community, and when a person wants to hear it, they're ready to hear it. So right. I was like, all right, well I need to find another time to spend it, spend time with him because he needs he needs a guy in his life. Um, and so we spent time together every. Every other Friday because I need I need my alone time at least once a week mm-hmm. um, and he and so so you, you suddenly have a sense of how much time I do have dedicated to games maybe once a week um, but uh, other than that it's just catching windows here and there anyway but the the point being so he would come and we would get together and I'd ask him how he was doing and I'd, we'd pray for one another and um, I didn't quite start factoring Bible into it in any way shape or form because um, I, I it just didn't quite Work, so we just play video games, and we were just, uh, you know, we were playing Borderlands Two last year and stuff like that. Um, and somewhere along those lines, I realized I want to get, I want to bring other guys. Uh, I don't have all my, all my like spare time is it's my minimal spare time dedicated to, to uh, some, you know, investing in, in dudes is, is with Alex. And I asked him, so um, I know this is our, our one-on-one time. But what do you think about me bringing other people into it? And his response was, "Well, the more, the merrier." Right. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, I'll bring in one or two other dudes. And then um, I got together with our pastor and he was, he was just like, you know, well, what do you, he was at our, 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 our church networks, ministry training school. And he was like, so I heard this thing and I was just curious, what do you think about maybe having like a, a game cell? Uh, Cause our church is, is a cell group church. Okay. Um, and, and that's where the cell comes in. It's, it's a cell group, small group, you know, that sort of thing. But cells are much more... It fits are, in
2: well with Splinter Cell, too.
1: Uh, it might, except for it has nothing to do with spying terrorism or uh, <laughs> torture.
2: Yeah, so you say, but
1: that's exactly what <laughs> so, a spy and terrorist so you would say. say. Yes. Yeah. So you say. <laughs> but uh, but in, in any case, so, like, we, we did... Uh, I was like, well, I told my pastor who, who just asked me about, about, like, the concept of starting games. I was like, that's kind of what we're already doing. Um, so it was kind of cool to see how like it, it just was like, oh, yeah, of course, we're going to do that now. Okay. Um, and, and at that point, I was like, all right, well, I, I want these guys. I, I, the first time I asked the guys so what, what do you guys know about the Bible? Because I'm I come from like way too big headed of a mindset when it comes to teaching people Bible like. If I if I'm going to be getting together with you guys, like I'm sure I'm sure we three getting together would be able to come up with great things that would would be informative and instructive to one another. But that's not going to be milk to somebody who has never actually opened a Bible before, right?
2: You have to have a starting point.
1: Exactly, sure. and of course you could start with you know the, the the signature verses, John three sixteen, et cetera, et cetera, and, and we've done that actually. Um, but I, I realize I need to use the resources that I have available. So with Game Church, I asked. I, I reached out to the Jordan and Mikey, uh, who are Mikey's the guy who started it, and Jordan is is kind of like the the admin on 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 staff at this point in time. Um, also a fellow Game Church writer, he and and I was like, is there any chance I could get some some gamer Bibles, and and uh, just just to hand my guys as soon as they come to Game because this is perfectly oriented towards them. And and if you you know if in case you haven't seen them, Ted. Um, they're basically uh, – there's a picture of Jesus on the cover with an a Xbox 360 controller and headset, and it's called Jesus uh, for like, the win.
2: Like at PAX, like at the booth at PAX.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, okay. Um,
1: and these are the things that we hand out for outreach, which is perfect because a lot of the guys that I'm inviting, they don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. Um, or or they do. Or they just don't understand what that actually means, um, and they don't have like any biblical foundation and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm just drawing these guys in, and I'm like – I need to keep it as simple as possible. Like I'm probably still overwhelming because I, I love I love going through like a whole chapter, but that's not that's not milk. That's that's more meat. And yeah, so I'm exactly, realizing exactly like, I need to, well, I need one to strip of them, it down.
2: One of them, an example just for people that are listening was you talked about uh, enemies. You know, did you have enemies? Yeah. And obviously video games is greatly connected with enemies. So there's a connection <laughs> there. And, yeah. then, you know, what does the Bible say, how we're supposed to treat our enemies, how we're supposed to handle that? So yeah. it does, you know, it's just it's it's neat when there's a connection like that.
1: Yeah, and the connections are definitely something that I want to get more into um especially cuz like for like and, and it's 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 more thematic than necessarily directly connecting like I asked um what would make Jesus fight somebody? Um uh you know, what would make Jesus not necessarily throw punches but definitely get rowdy, maybe and, get a whip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that was the night that we got into the story of Jesus clearing the temple the first time in John.
2: Yeah. Right. Um,
1: and so since we have those, the Gamer Bibles, which is just the Gospel of John, um, it's just a good starting point for conversation and, and, and leading that directly into the games that we play. And that night we played, like, that was when we played Dive Kick and Skullgirls and um, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 and stuff like that. And, and uh, also um, one that you might not might have heur- not heard of uh, but was a little obscure was Space Team. And Space Team, um, have you heard of that before, Ted? Uh,
2: let's just say that... Past four games that you named, I recognize the Marvel one.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and a lot of that is just because, um, like, uh, being involved in like the the packs underground and or not underground or whatever, but you know, like you go to the Penny Arcade Expo and you see a lot of like Divekick was personally for Zach and I, like, we were just like taken back at how there was so many people around that that cube, but we didn't know what the game was other than. Then, Zach knew a little bit about it. I had a
0: vague idea because I know people in the fighting game community, at least, or I know names. Yeah. So
1: yeah, and and the same thing goes for Skullgirls. Those are those are games that you would only know if you have like some slight semblance of the indie competitive uh, fighting game scene.
2: Right. Well, I'm glad that exists, though that world exists. But yeah, you name a lot of games that I've never heard of, and I have to do a little research. Yeah, And sometimes uh, Zachary will feed me a link every once in a while to make me sound intelligent and ask good questions.
0: Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to leave that in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: excuse me. Oops.
0: You've revealed my secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we're all
2: on a spy alert system here now, so... Uh, well, what, are, what are you playing, buddy? I, I, I got sidetracked asking you that question. No, no,
1: no. no, no. The, one, the one last thing that I did want to say about, about Game though, was um, just the, the really important thing that I found that's most important about it is um, when we get to the actual game playing, that it really becomes about listening to uh, the person who's playing. And it kind of like, like gives voice to the, the, the new person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do want to emphasize and value anybody who comes to, to the group that's new. Um, so they get the first pick of, of basically anything. I, I kind of like want to make my whole library available, mm-hmm. um, but I also want to make sure that you know that that's extraordinarily overwhelming. So I want to make sure that they have. Um, a lot of the time, I end up just picking whatever they play. Um, so uh, that might be uh, you know I, I, I can't think of a really good example offhand because I'm not I'm not on, on the ball, but right. Um, and, and sometimes I do strike out because I don't know that person's play style and preferences, or I'm not ready for it, or I'm just not fully thinking in terms of like what would this guy really really like um and i have like a set list of games that i thought we might play that night and none of them are working um in the case of like last game cell where like the first three games that we played which um i'm not going to bring up which ones they were but they they just didn't connect with anyone in, in the group and and that had a lot to do with the dynamic of the night and it had a lot to do with the, the culture of that particular evening um, and that's most- fine
2: you might think that was a failure but that was not necessarily well, it was, a it failure.
1: Was yeah, exactly. It wasn't it wasn't a failure. It was just in terms of like my my focus was more on the games and it should have been more on the people.
2: Oh, I see. I see.
1: And, and, I mean, like more. It was more about like finding something that's going to like foster conversation. But it was really like there was already a conversation that was happening and I was distracting from that.
2: Ah. But you see, that can happen even if you're leading a group of, of Bible study where there wasn't video games in it. You oh, can sure. go. In, you know, a person can go into with well, this is what I'm going to talk about. Right. and instead of listening to the holy spirit and not yeah. that you weren't but you know what i mean where no, like,
1: i i uh, i needed more of that and and that has a lot to do with like i have mm-hmm. i feel like i'm 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 host i'm director i'm
2: yeah.
1: doing too many things at once and and part of it is like yeah. i i do need uh, a little bit of help um from someone else in the group and not just me as the the shepherd and them as the flock because I don't that that like divide isn't good and healthy in any way. So I'm, I've,
2: I'm... I've learned in my life, especially in the area of going on mission trips, where you go into things where you have an agenda, but then you realize by the end of the time there that there was a whole another agenda going on that God oh. had already set in place. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it takes a little bit at first to connect with that and line up and say, "Oh, wait, maybe I should just connect with what you're doing anyway." Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing more
1: valuable than just being able to listen to the Holy Spirit and yeah, you know, yeah. quieting yourself. So and that uh, might
2: be an interesting thing to share with the group. Is, is what goes on in you sometimes? Is it, yeah, that's
1: a really good point. Yeah, I should maybe I should maybe do that. We're doing something different this week. We're having a cookout um, tomorrow. Um, the the new guy last week, my neighbor Brian, he uh, he he volunteered to, to cook and and make up some fancy hamburgers and stuff. So I'm looking forward to that.
2: Fancy hamburgers.
1: All right, and you're yeah. gonna
2: play and Mama.
0: <laughs> for real well i don't know how we're gonna
1: do it i mean like i might be able to get like a tv outside and stuff like that but then i don't know about sound and i don't know i don't know exactly how we're gonna be doing it we might just do like a yeah, pass what... and play board games or not play games at all
0: well one of yeah. you plugs it in and you can hold on to the television while everyone <laughs> sits on the <laughs> grass and plays
1: <laughs> well i have to your I have, chest <laughs> yeah i think i have a an outdoor table that might work but yeah
0: we'll see um but yeah um did you
1: want me to Bring up the game that I've been playing?
0: Yes, we are going to lift a press embargo right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, um, I've been playing a game that comes out tomorrow called uh, The Stanley Parable. And it is best described as what would happen if you were to... Maybe not best described, but it's it's, it's significantly difficult to explain. In fact, uh, the best way to go about finding out what it is would be to go and get the demo right now on PC, on Steam... Um, and, and it's a 23 minute long demo, probably the best demo that I've played and just try it yourself. Um, but if you're still sticking around and you still want to hear more, which is probably why I'm talking, um, I might, I might combine a couple of things and say, it's like, if you had the narrative of portal two and like that, that savvy, like British, um, narrator who seems like he's like kind of involved in your life, uh, commenting on your life and all the actions you're making mixed with groundhog day and, uh, being John Malkovich, um, <laughs> which which is probably way too many references hmm. to really make a, a huge level of sense unless you've seen those two movies.
0: Is it scary?
1: Um, at times, a little bit. Um, I, I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's, it's not. It's not. It's not horror scary. It's, okay. it's more Fair. like. Um, I mean, my I, I shared. I tried to share the, the my first playthrough of it with my wife, and she found it to be creepy. But she finds lei- just about everything in video games creepy because we don't realize it as gamers. But like. Everything in video games is surrounded by tension, and that tension to, to a person who's not used to being in, in the agency of, of a game like is too much, and, and uh, it's just way too tense. And we don't realize it because we're so used to it. But in any case, so in, in Stanley Parable, it starts out, and you have, um, you're confronted with a narrative. The narrator is telling you what is going on, and you have a choice to decide whether or not this is true. And you communicate this by deciding whether or not to go through doors. Um, the first and most notable door, and the only one that I'm going to spoil for you guys, is uh, you, you come up to a doorway, and the narrator says, Stanley went through the left door. Sorry, terrible British accent. But he, he tells you, he went through the left door. And you can choose right at that moment to not listen to him. Um, and go through the right door. And he makes note of that. Um, and progressively, the your acceptance or, or denial of, of the decisions that he tells you that you're going to do um, builds the narrative. And uh, there's each playthrough, like, like you can, pl- like my first playthrough of the game was really straightforward. And I was like, that's, there was like a clear beginning, middle, end, and like, it was maybe a, a quote unquote happy ending, but I felt really unsatisfied with it because the point of the game is to like keep playing through and trying different things and making different choices. And he always comments on your decisions in a way that uh, is often quite humorous um, and is sometimes uh, very uh, confusing and mysterious. Hence the, the being John Malkovich groundhog day quality um, where you're like, why is this happening again? Um, wh- what is he saying? And the moments that happen from, from point to point are uh, uh, just, just full of like unexpected humor. Um, I was telling Zach before we started the podcast in the demo, uh, there was a point where I had pressed a button on a wall of buttons, and the the narrator said, "Well, uh, approximately ninety four percent of all people who press that button happen to be sexual predators." No, no, don't worry. I'm not saying anything about you, even if you are a pervert. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a strange, strange game.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, and, and and as as that as that notion goes, like I'd say that this is the, very much in like the same. Uh, genre of of games is something like uh dear esther and proteus and uh with the exception of like there's there's uh it's it's completely crafted and 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 uh each path has a very uh crafted quality to it the, there's no procedural generation or anything like that huh. um, so there's actually there is a, a little first bit, person
2: I, perspective game
1: right yes it's a first person perspective game Um, and most of your actions are communicated, uh, just by walking. So there's not any, um, there's not even like, there's also an achievement. like the achievements are kind of hilarious. One of them you get for, um, realizing that you can't use the space button to jump. Um, (laughs) and, and it's, uh, the the achievement unlock says, uh, the jump button has been disabled. (laughs) (laughs) And so it has this like meta commentary of like you, the player and like, the narrator and I it's, it's not necessarily clear on whether uh, there's a a divide between us being Stanley and us being the player. Um, And like the fourth wall gets broken every once in a while. And um, but the way that it's all written, it's written quite masterfully. Like um, I remember when portal two came out, um, people were, were commenting on how like incredibly well written the whole thing was. And I, at first before realizing that it was just like a two man indie team who made this, um, I thought like it might be the same writer, just because it was. It, it felt so um, smart.
2: Hmm. It doesn't sound very game mechanic heavy.
1: Oh, it's not. There, there is not really any. I mean, like it's more about walking through doors and and responding to the narrative. Yeah. Um, kind of like uh, real life. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and it also. I, I wrote a, an article on on Game Church that'll, that 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 should publish tomorrow. Um, about how it's it's kind of about like worldview formation and whether or not we accept the uh, the story that's handed to us um, like is it is it um, true what what the narrator says and it, do we just fully accept what we're told or do we challenge it do we rebel and um, it's not as healthy to just Straight obey or just straight o- rebel. It's it's a, an interrelated relationship of questioning and and challenging, and that usually yields the best results in the game, uh, or at least the most interesting story unfolding.
0: So that sounds uh, really really weird.
1: <laughs> well, it, it is it is. Um, but like I said, what I what I would recommend more than anything else is that you go and get the demo. Um, and uh, it is uh, the the demo is hilarious and and uh, fascinating and. You walk away feeling like, I might have an idea what this game is about, uh, at least mechanically, which, you know, doesn't isn't say much. But um, you'll you'll find out what how it tells the story and how it has this, um, the end is the beginning is the end is the beginning um, kind of mantra that, that it plays on its loading screens.
2: <laughs> Their write-up or whatever it is in the description on Steam is really odd. It's like, you play as Stanley, you do not play as Stanley. That makes no sense. <laughs>
1: it it it
0: it's a paradox
1: it, yeah it <laughs> might make more sense when you when you actually play play through it um yeah i i i have to do i do have to say that like for after the first hour of playing the full version um i thought like i had a pretty good idea of what it was all about and after playing through uh what i'm pretty sure is every major ending um i have a lot less of a clue what it's all
0: about <laughs> <laughs> so the more you know the less you know yeah is, yeah so is it expensive you, like, Um, actually I don't
1: I think it's only it's either ten or fifteen bucks.
0: Are you part of the press or what? You need to tell us whether it's worth buying.
1: (laughs) Oh it's it's totally worth buying, but um I don't just have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um but no, like I said, I regardless of whether or not it's worth buying, it's most definitely worth playing the demo. Hmm. Um like I I'm not a huge demo guy. Like there's a lot of and, and I mean, even to in today's climate, like you don't see a lot of demos. Um but and that's for a variety of reasons, but this is one that I would say, even though the demo is, is a lot different from the game, and maybe in some ways a little bit more finely crafted than the final game, um, it's, it's very, very, very indicative of the kind of writing the humor and what carries the experience at large. Um, so just go get it, and I'll stop talking now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, should Zach talk now?
1: Yes, please, tell us about DMC Devil May Cry, the yeah. DMC version. Okay. Say what? <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just teasing because it's re- an excessively redundant name.
0: That is a confusing name. Okay, so DMC, <laughs> Devil May Cry. Why is it called that? I don't know. Does hey, it...
1: It, it doesn't have the word revengeance in it, so it's not good.
0: Oh, well, it doesn't have a non-word in it. It has <laughs> oh, an acronym and a f- series of words. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Capcom's reboot or prequel or something of Devil May Cry is developed by Ninja Theory, who is responsible for Heavenly Sword and Enslaved. So my familiarity comes from playing Devil May Cry games and not so much Ninja Theory's other games because they don't interest me at all. So has anyone else played other Ninja Theory games?
1: I've, I've really wanted to. It was on my list for a while to get um, to get Enslaved, A Journey to the West, because... Uh, uh, and I, I did play the... Uh, demo of demos I played the demo for that one um and it it was in de- it was very similar to uncharted in a lot of ways hmm. um but also had this like chinese um it, it's based on a chinese fable
0: oh journey to the west yeah
1: yeah uh, or maybe not f- fable might be the wrong word but um,
0: it's a, yeah it's a giant book
1: yeah um so it but it's definitely based on on that um and uh the art style is is pretty fantastic the animation is really good um the the combat seemed pretty thin, but like I said, it was just a demo. So Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people said that Ninja Theory games are really thin on the combat side, and more so on everything else. Graphics, and design, yeah. and sometimes story. So <laughs> yeah. To talk about DMC is more like to talk about whether or not it's a very good Devil May Cry game, because there's certain expectations that come with that, such as in-depth combat, a combo system that's worth doing, multiple weapons, some kind of story progression, maybe, but this game is very, very self-serious, which hmm. is something I didn't expect, because usually Dante is basically like a person out of an 80s hair metal band.
1: Yeah, it's really like even the, the, they're all really, really campy. I played like bits of the others yeah. and they're all like the worst storytelling that they could possibly be. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's intentional.
0: Yeah, it is. It's horribly dumb. But this one is yeah. not horribly dumb and it actually tries to be a pretty good story but ninja theory seems to have no idea how to develop a character. <laughs> so so huh. there's like a beginning and Dante is like I'm a rebel, I'm a rebel. I don't care about anything. Too. I'm in love with humanity and humanity is awesome. <laughs> and there's literally no context cuz you never huh. really meet any humans other than one other human in the entire I guess game.
1: I'm guessing it's a girl.
0: Yes. And that's it. And the story, yeah, it's I'm guessing she's she's sexed up no, she's not, surprisingly. No? Yeah. Oh. Well, other than the hot pants. Oh, well. Cut off shorts, whatever. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> but anyway. If there's, if there's no cleavage, it's not It's not a traditional video game.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. But anyway, witchcraft or whatever. She's a yeah. some kind of occult witchy woman. Anyway. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm remembering that from the trailers now.
0: The story itself is not so great. It has a really 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 obvious commentary on capitalism and you know, wall street and all this kind of thing
1: yeah like, it's really heavy-handed
0: the demons control us through debt you know that sort of thing <laughs> but hey, at least they're telling the truth <laughs> for once you know yeah, yeah that's and true. that's right and they have a bill o'reilly and fox news parody bob barbus yeah.
1: and... and that's and that leads to a, like a really like epic boss battle right like uh, fighting a big yeah. fat head or something
0: yeah it's hilarious <laughs> That's like the best part of the whole game. Oh, really? Yeah, that one. That
1: that particular boss battle or the boss battles in
0: general? Oh, the boss battles are awful. (laughs) They're mostly the same. So, so, okay, to explain, Devil May Cry's in-depth combat system has always been kind of a hallmark of the series. This one tries to emulate that. So in that sense, apparently it's Ninja Theory's best game. But on another level, it kind of falters in being a good Devil May Cry game.
1: Well, yeah, I, I saw that uh, there's like loops, like like gaps around the the combat uh, combo system so that you can use like a hammer or something to get like an S rating on on your, your combos yeah. and stuff like that or, or something weird.
0: Yeah, and more than half the game is definitely taken up with platforming segments. Which... Yeah, I remember that from the demo. <laughs> which is not really something I expected.
2: That's like, not your love, is it? For that kind of game? To, it's to get not... stuck in some platforming?
0: I like the... I like platforming. I just don't like it in a game that's supposed to be about combat. I, I think that for whatever reason, they decided that I need to kind of jump through these hoops to get to next combat sequence. And yeah, what kind of makes it interesting to do with,
1: Yeah, with Ninja theories like style and, and their, their design. I mean like enslaved was more, more platforming than anything else.
0: Yeah. And it's mostly color coded. So it's like, Oh, this is blue. Use the blue whip. Oh, this is red. Use the red whip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is too far. Use the air dash. Oh, green thing, press the A button. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's mostly like a giant quick time sequence from place to place. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
1: I mean, the th- the thing for the thing for me that I didn't like about it was that it was just like, I don't know, just <laughs> I'm gonna use the M word here, but like I really didn't like the the the, the whole like concept of Dante being uh, an exploiter of women, so to speak.
0: Oh, right at the beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like he's like being serviced by angels or something like that in a strip club or something.
0: Yeah, that does happen. I thought I was kind of taken aback by that right at the beginning. Yeah. The intro is. Yeah. The intro is horrific. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And they also they also changed his the lore behind his character, too. Like they turned him
0: into a Nephilim. Yeah. He's half angel, half demon, that sort of thing. Yeah. They, They don't really do anything interesting with that.
1: No, um, and and that's the that's kind of funny about it too because I mean like I've j- it's just been like a recent trend in games where like they're like hey we need to like deal with Nephilim because Nephilim are yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah kind of like, I mean El Shaddai actually did it much better than this game. Yeah, which is hilarious considering yeah. they made their Nephilim into like uh chibi so- like like sausages. Yeah. <laughs> so so this game has good voice acting, which surprised me, and the motion capture is like out of this world. Everything looks really? good. Uh, enemy attacks feel great. The cutscenes look fantastic, but the script is just awful. Oh, just bad. It's really bad.
1: You mean like the overall script? Or, yeah. Or the dialogue in particular?
0: Just the whole dialogue in particular. Dante yeah. is not interesting or endearing. Yeah, that,
1: that was that was the thing that really put me on. Not just the whole like him being gross and stuff with women and all, but. Like, well, he
0: gets less gross. I think that was part of their intention.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's that's the intended but like, it character work. arc and stuff. But they <laughs> don't have like a, a good like point of, cha- of of transition, like you were, you seem to indicate.
2: Which um, Dante are we talking about? Is it like the classic Dante
1: or, oh, or the uh... this is
0: the black haired Dante? Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. This is this is the the Dante that that caused the game to have a 3.9 user rating on Metacritic and to sell this,
0: horribly. Yeah, it's... my
1: uh, the, the the guy who my main dude that that was a part of my game cell, like that, that I, uh, he was my, my dude before it became game. cell. um, it, uh, I, I brought up this game to him at, at some point and he, he just had had this like extreme profound disgust. Like he's not a snooty person. Like I tend to be that. And I, I, it's something that I'm curbing all the time trying to. Um, but for him, like it was funny cause out of nowhere comes this like, ew, that Dante, uh. <laughs> <laughs> he is not Dante. I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> well, he starts to turn into the Dante, and eventually, yeah. but not enough to really justify so, making him like stupid <laughs> at the yeah. beginning.
1: Yeah. So, like his his uh, pr- the the whole concept is that when he starts liking humans, his hair has to go white, right?
0: No, that happens when he <laughs> fights uh, Virgil at the end. Oh crap! Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't have
1: to worry, I won't be playing uh, this Yeah, one. don't worry
0: about it. His brother <laughs> is Virgil, he fights Virgil, because Virgil hates humans, and Dante loves humans. So Virgil it, yeah.
1: becomes a good guy later in the series, is that no, the
0: concept? No, Virgil or is a, a downward guy? spiral towards death and destruction. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, well, I mean, those stories always been vague, so... Yeah, really, yeah. But yeah, the sure. one thing that I, I do want to discuss just quickly is... Sure. Spoilers! Okay, so here is one way not to make your main characters endearing... Have them shoot a pregnant woman. <laughs> okay, so Ninja wait, wait, wait. Theory that's, thinks
1: that's, that's kind of like that. Reminds me of uh, I don't care I mean, if
0: it's a demon spawn or whatever, but it, yeah. it just does not. It's not classy, man.
1: Well, that, that that's one of my one of the many gripes that I had with Metal Gear Solid Four because, like, all of a sudden you're like, you you after every one of the the, the Beauty and Beast boss battles, like you have to like shoot a half naked woman who's like
0: helpless. So that's okay, right? Because she's <laughs> trying to kill you,
1: but this she's is not like
0: pregnant. this is a hostage situation, right? And uh-huh. they're doing like a hostage exchange, and like they just shoot this woman, who may be a demon nonetheless, but it's just disturbing and weird. And then like the game doesn't comment on it or say, "Wow, that was a bad thing you did." It's just like, "Oh, we shot her. Yeah, great." That's awful. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Even I am taken aback by this it's just yeah. weird. I
1: hope that ninja theory goes back to making their own games
0: I think they need to go back to not making any more games because <laughs> this one's not bad actually in terms of the I mean, like well it's it's my, my
1: my friend my friend recently he made a a game for have you have you ever heard of the independent comic atomic Robo maybe. Um, it's it's a really really awesome comic like i i it's it's probably one of the best comics that I've read recently. Um, just smart and problem solving, and is clever. But the he made he made the the first ever video game for it. And it was the first project his studio took upon themselves, and it was. Uh, and this is this is called Atomic Robo Violent Science on iOS. Um, and he said that like the worst part about it was um, making a game based on an intellectual property because all the fans of the game who might be the people who, who support the Kickstarter or support and buy the game ultimately. They're gonna hate it probably the most, um, considering it's not you know this, it's not that, or whatever, and it's just extraordinarily difficult to work with another person's inte- intellectual property yeah, to begin with. It is. Um, so, just stepping into that side of things is it, it's it's questionable. I mean, like there, you can list on, on on a single hand the number of games based on uh, another intellectual property that became a game um, that are actually good, like GoldenEye and
0: yeah that exactly chronicles of riddick there we go
1: oh yeah chronicles of riddick was pretty good um
0: wow that's really good (laughs) better than half-life 2 uh what yeah are you serious i think so anyway (laughs) getting back on topic
1: no 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 no. we back the truck up here (laughs) (laughs) wait i'll make the backup sound
0: (laughs) no i want to talk about dmc better than half-life 2 yes and half life, and whatever.
1: Alright, we'll we'll have to like get in a get in a fighting uh a boxing match on
0: this later. Yeah, I'm gonna replay it and make sure my opinion's correct, but I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. So so yeah. <laughs> anyway, and in terms of DMC, other than the story and all that stuff, which is just horrible, the combat itself is pretty good. Really? Yep. <laughs> yeah, which surprises me, I think. Hmm. Well, I think it has something to do with the way that everything looks and the flow of the combat is correct. You know, that's really a kind of a vague way to explain it, but yeah. it, it does all the right things in terms of giving you weight of movement and allowing you to dodge at specific points in combo strings and the way the combat moves around. However, the control scheme is kind of weird. Yeah. So you have your main weapon and then you have two other weapons. And the way you use those other weapons is to hold like shoulder buttons or triggers. So yeah. it gets really strange really quickly. And there's a lot of like hold the shoulder button and press a button and hold the shoulder button and press a button to do stuff. So hmm. it's basically like six different button combinations at once. And it gets really confusing.
1: That sound, that's starting to sound a lot like um, the, the combat in Arkham City. Um, not, not to say that they're the same thing at all. I'm just saying like, in terms of like the complexity of controls and like having to like pull triggers and press combinations of buttons and stuff like that.
0: The the only big flaw in this is that there's no lock on. So if you want to attack a specific enemy, you will be really messed up.
1: (laughs) You just got to swing wildly.
0: Yeah. Well, you have to go, oh, I guess I need to be closer to this target in order to kill it. Right. There was,
1: there was lock on in, 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 uh, previous
0: DMCs. There was lock-on, yeah. That's what allows okay. you to do certain moves when you hold the uh, R1 button or whatever. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then yeah, you, it would forgotten. be like a fighting game control. So it would give you kind of a, a 2D axis on which to move around. Oh, uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this one does not. And it's to its detriment, unfortunately. Because huh. <laughs> I played on Nephilim, which is the hard mode difficulty. Sure. Starting right out. And most reviewers definitely did not. So I was able to see the flaw pretty quickly (laughs) Yeah, when it came to uh, crowd control and that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: But you finished it, right?
0: I did finish it, and I did the DLC. It's good for people who like this sort of game, but it's very, very mediocre.
1: Yeah. It's it's not up to the Revengeance quality.
0: Uh, Not even close. (laughs) No. Or Bayonetta, or anything Platinum Games has made. Yeah. Or even previous entries in the Devil May Cry series, so... Very cool. And I want to talk about one other game real quick. Well, you better hurry. You yeah, better hurry. I know I got to hurry. You got uh,
1: you got I, two minutes. Ready? Go.
0: I played an <laughs> indie combat game called Aces Wild. Ah. And it's basically Dragon Ball Z in two dimensions. Weird. <laughs> if that makes sense. And you dash around and you blow things up and you punch things and they ricochet off walls Oh, it, it's pretty, pretty darn awesome. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's so this on Steam is, Wild. Huh? This is not on Steam yet. No, but it's called Aces Wild, and you just—it's crazy. Everything takes place in the air. There's a bunch of stages where you basically have to be floating, which requires you to have a like manage this meter called the Wild Meter. So the better you do, the more it fills up. But and the more damage you do, but the more damage you take.
1: Is this a new game?
0: Yeah, this is a relatively new game. I think it came out in August.
1: Oh cool.
2: This is and again it's A C E S Ace's Wild. Yeah. Okay. I did a search and I it came up with a, a romance novel called Ace's Wild, but that's not what you're talking <laughs> no, about, right?
0: No, no, no. This is not a romance novel. This is <laughs> this is a love of combat and blowing things up.
2: I'm gonna huh. keep searching.
0: Yeah, and they're just <laughs> At some point, there's just so many enemies on screen that you will Is this made
1: by one dude?
0: Yeah, it's made by one dude. Tyler Doak. Huh. It's How really did you hear about amazing. this? I heard about it. I just wandered the oh, internet yeah. and searched and found it. It's just crazy. TylerDoke.com. It's, it's really well done, sorry. and it's really difficult, I think, is the other issue. So, <laughs> 10 bucks.
2: Sorry, that was my thing bringing up his site.
0: Yeah, it yeah. comes out right away.
1: Yeah, I hate just,
2: websites that do that.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. About, oh, he's got a humble widget, so that's a good start. As soon as it gets on Steam, I'm sure it'll release codes.
0: And I will say for $10, it's totally worth it. But It looks fun. But you really got to bash your head against the wall to get the mechanical <laughs> things down. And, 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 it has co-op, which is like the greatest thing ever.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So co-op with uh, controller support?
0: Yeah, with controller support. Oh, nice. I'm not sure if it's four player, but it's definitely two player.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, four player on, on a side-scrolling game is is uh, a lot. Yeah, I think I, I think I vaguely remember seeing something about this, but um, I'm not seeing the screen grabs at the moment. It, it's...
2: it reminds me of Brawl a little bit.
0: Yeah, except you're floating in the air the entire time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's really there's no reason not to because you don't want to <laughs> be surrounded by enemies. Yeah, And they float after you, and you have to do really, really precise dodge timing, which is the other fun part.
2: It looks like it was made by someone that just loves this kind of game.
0: Yeah, like me, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he probably made it, I'm just throwing this out, though. he made it for himself, because he's like, I just really want to do this, yeah. this kind of game. Oh, oh no, it's, it's fun. It,
0: it is a lot of fun. So I would recommend, everyone wholeheartedly recommend this game. Okay. If you I'll add it to my I'll add it yeah. to my uh,
1: following wish list and stuff like that.
0: If you want to check
1: out Aces Wild and Stan,
2: Stanley's Parable,
1: the, Stan, the, the Stanley Parable. The yeah. The Stanley
2: Parable. Okay, I'm gonna check make, both yeah. those out.
1: Yeah. Just go to the Stanley. Search the, the Stanley Parable Steam, and you can get the demo right there on the page.
0: Yep. So there's your recommendations.
1: <laughs> what? What?
2: Yeah. That's Aces what we're Wild. all about. Yeah.
0: Is informing the general public i would hope the general public i would hope everyone plays aces wild before we come back and then we can All talk right. about it some more awesome
2: <laughs> and aces wild is 9.99 you can get it through paypal or through your amazon.com account
0: well i ended up getting it for seven dollars because of the uh, what not on steam sale so that was nice uh, oh that's where
1: i heard of it yeah, yeah okay gotcha
0: i saw it and i was like i have to buy this now <laughs>
2: And Stanley Parable, by the way, is unpriced. I can't find any information about it, but it sounds like from the way this game is described, that Steam fits dollars? perfectly with the design of the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. I'm pretty sure it's 10 bucks. Okay. okay. All right. We got to probably wrap this up now. Yep. Giddy up. <laughs> okay. Yo, yo,
2: let's wrap it up, dog. <laughs> <So> can, <laughs> can you delete that part out? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. All
0: right. This has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. It'll actually help us out. Write a positive review. Do not write a negative review because I do not like you if you do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Our guest, Joshua Collar, can be found at Game Church, Love Subverts, and Substance TV, and Theology Gaming, probably. (laughs) And Ted Loring can be found at WildManted.com. He has a YouTube channel. Watch him build train sets.
2: That's my latest thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get that thing out the door. It's awesome.
0: All right. So, thank you for joining us. I'm Zachary Oliver. Please listen again if you want to live. <laughs> but we're not threatening you. We're
2: not a subversive spy organization. No, we're not.
1: We are not a splinter cell. So. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Signing out. See Have you, you later. guys. Bye. Good night. Or a good day. Whenever.